0: Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, high school sports create a winter tourism boom in St. Paul. Longtime Minnesota sports public address announcer Dick Jankowski chats about his new book and a reminder from State Fire Marshal Bruce West on fire hydrant safety during our snowy winter. But first, Governor Tim Walls presented his first state budget proposal this week. This budget is about Building One Minnesota.
1: The foundation of which is education, healthcare, and community prosperity.
0: The governor's plan included an investment of $733 million in additional pre-K through 12 education and nearly $2 billion in transportation and infrastructure funding. Not only
1: does our budget make thoughtful decisions when it comes to the budget and bonding, we do it in a way that invests in what works. Our budget uses data-driven results, makes reforms to serve more Minnesotans, and empowers communities around the state to make decisions for themselves that work best.
0: Almost as soon as the plan was revealed, state Republican leaders began criticizing it. Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka said the plan puts Minnesota on track to be the number one tax state in the nation. There are so many things in there that it's hard to even fathom how much is there. I'm not sure if there's anything the governor did say no to. But Wall says the budget is what he campaigned on and Republicans shouldn't be surprised. And every single thing I said here, I ran for governor talking about
1: raising the gas tax. I talked about historic investments in education.
0: One of the more controversial proposals in the nearly $50 billion spending plan.
1: My budget proposes a 20 cent increase in the gas tax to keep Minnesotans safe, help businesses and farmers get goods to market, and ensure nothing like the I-35W bridge ever happens again in this state.
0: But House Minority Leader Kurt Dowd calls a gas tax regressive and said, It hurts low-income
2: people uh, much more uh, than high-income people. And, and it's also something that hurts greater Minnesota much more than it hurts the metro.
1: Walls responds, This is not a choice between having a gas tax or not. It's a choice between living in a state with the best and safest transportation system in the country or living in a state with crumbling roads and bridges that risk our safety and
0: keep away businesses. The gas tax would be phased in over two years, then further increases would be tied to inflation later. When it comes to the state's schools, Walls says he's determined to make Minnesota the education state.
1: My budget will help close the funding gap and make sure that every child has a good teacher, receives the individual attention they deserve, and has access to the materials that they need to develop the knowledge and skills to compete in today's economy.
0: Walls is proposing $59 million in his budget to keep preschool doors open and said, If we don't take action
1: this year, the number of available pre-K spots around the state will be cut in half. This will shut the door on 4,000 of our littlest learners across Minnesota and cause parents to scramble in search of other options for their children.
0: Education Minnesota is applauding the governor's budget but says, quote, the numbers don't mean much until they're translated into things we can see and feel in our schools. Healthcare funding, another top priority of Governor Walz's plan for the state. He's proposing a subsidy program to reduce premiums on MNsure and the establishment of a one care public buy-in option.
1: This buy-in option will offer a high-quality affordable plan to Minnesotans with more services, lower deductibles and lower copays than what is currently available within the individual market.
0: Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka thinks that's the wrong approach. Government-run health care for all is a recipe for disaster In rural Minnesota for rural health care, and I frankly think across the state. Walls' plan also continues a 2% tax on health care providers, which is scheduled to end at the end of this year. One element of the plan that doesn't seem to be too controversial is to get high-speed broadband internet service to more Minnesotans.
1: Much like the rural electrification projects of the past, this is an area where we must settle for nothing less than a moonshot initiative. We're investing $70 million in a One Minnesota border-to-border broadband grant program to ensure that every household in Minnesota will have high-speed Internet access by 2021.
0: Walls said access to high-speed Internet is, quote, no longer a nice-to-have, it is a necessity. So we've heard from the governor and Republican leaders. Now we're joined by Hamlin University political analyst David Schultz to get his expert opinion on the budget. This is
3: going to be a very hard budget for the governor to get enacted into law. It proposes a significant increase in spending of nearly 9% along with proposing at the end of the day either um, four new taxes, or depending on how you count it, three new taxes and an extension of an existing tax. And I think it would be very difficult, um, if not impossible, to get that through the Minnesota Senate, which is controlled by Republicans.
0: And uh, Senate Republican leaders uh, yesterday, Paul Gazelka, the Senate Majority Leader, obviously not thrilled with the notion of a gas tax. Does that have any chance of passing?
3: certainly doesn't have a chance at $0.20 cents per gallon. I'm not even sure at $0.10 cents or $0.05 cents per gallon it has a chance of passing. The last time, back in 2008, that there was a gas tax that was passed and Republicans voted for it, those Republicans who supported it were primaried um, and eventually lost their positions in the legislature because of voter retribution. And so I think one of the lessons from more than a decade ago is that Republicans aren't going to support a gas tax increase.
0: What would you say, though, to the uh, assertion that the governor made yesterday that uh, he won by a historic margin his election and that uh, he basically was getting a mandate from folks to carry out on the things that he promised in his campaign, which he laid out in his budget yesterday? That's a
3: good argument, but on the other hand, those Republican senators are going to argue that they, too, won with mandates in many situations with which large percentages, and that they are going to go along with, with both what their constituents say and B what they think will win for them in 2020. So we have two sides that probably can each claim political mandates, each claim um, that they have support for what they're doing, and this is going to be the basis of the standoff at the legislature.
0: There's a pretty significant bonding proposal as part of his budget plan as well, which Republicans seem to bristle at. Does that have any chance of getting money for some of those bonding projects this year?
3: There'll probably be some, some bonding bill, um, probably far smaller or scaled back um, compared to what Governor Waltz wants, because I think there are some projects that Republicans can go along with. I don't think for them it's going to be an across-the-board don't support any bonding whatsoever. I think it's more the, the scope and the amount that they're, that they're opposed to. I think overall, though, regardless of, of let us say, the, the, the merits of the governor's proposals, I think that Republicans are in a position of wanting to frustrate him and the Democrats in the House in terms of being able to run into the 2020 elections of saying that, that as the Republicans. Either we we prevented the Democrats from raising your taxes and spending more money, or we're the more responsible party, or or look at the Democrats, couldn't enact what they said they were going to do. I find very little incentive right now um, for the Republicans to be supporting either the House or the governor's proposals.
0: Do you see any uh, room for compromise on some of the proposals that the governor laid out? I mean, is there are there particular issues that may be easier to enact than others?
3: Yeah, you, you probably could see more money going for early childhood education, probably some stuff on... On let us say um, um, rural broadband might be able to see some more for uh, on health initiatives, health initiatives, and for some some funding on, on issues such as we'll be finding the bonding bill. But I think the amount is going to be in question. And two, it's going to have to be budgetary amounts that are going to be with either no or very very small tax increases at this point. I just don't see Republicans willing to go along with any tax increases.
0: That's Hamlin University political science professor David Schultz. And of course, the legislative session doesn't end until May, so we have plenty of time to see how this all shakes out. Minnesota Matters returns after this. We asked kids what it took to be a dad. This is what they had to say.
4: A father is always present. I mean, what, fa- what
0: real father figure can you have if they're not there? In order to be a good dad, you need to love, love your son. You need to put gas in your car so you don't break down in the middle of nowhere. And you need to make some breakfast.
5: Yep. I mean, just to maybe um play, like, a board game with me or to just stay home and play um some video games with me. Just to do, like, that one little thing is what I really look forward to. I'm not asking him to be a perfect dad, but... He should try. He's just a constant force in my life. There's no other type of love like a dad's love because it's not comparable to anything else.
0: Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The city of St. Paul will be the center of the high school sports world for the next several weekends as three major state tournaments visit the XL Energy Center. Reporter J.W. Cox talked with Adam Johnson, marketing director for Visit St. Paul, who says this is the opening of a big window for tourism in the capital city each year a huge run for us and you know i hate to discount volleyball since it already happened but uh, the meat of it here coming up girls hockey followed by
6: wrestling and then obviously boys hockey the the kind of crown jewel of the collection of high school tournaments just uh you know it's the annual pilgrimage to the excel energy center which uh is probably the biggest thing in a lot of these kids uh sports careers is getting to the x to compete for uh supremacy in high school sports incredible tradition obviously this year the girls hockey is celebrating 25 years and the and the boys hockey is celebrating 75 so there's that uh, anniversary component making uh, the 2019 tournament even bigger and more important than maybe previous years if if you can even do that
4: and you mentioned obviously with all the history and things that come with the the boys' hockey tournament, it would seem to be the marquee event. D- does it stand out in your mind above the rest, or do all of them kind of bring some of that boost to what St. Paul sees as far as folks coming in?
6: It's kind of it's kind of like kids. I you know I got three boys. I can't tell you one of them's my favorite. They all kind of bring different uh, different pieces to the table. Um, I think they all have their unique components. I think the girls' hockey tournament is a testament to how strong girls' hockey is in, in Minnesota, and you see high school girls going on to play at the highest level and then come back and coach at, at colleges in Minnesota and stuff like that. And, um, so, the, so the girls' side is a testament to that. Wrestling um, is huge here as well. That, that tournament draws enormous crowds, and uh, I think it's nice that just based on attendance and, and hockey being the highest most highly attended and being the last one, it kind of it grows towards that. But like any parent, I don't think you'd say one of the tournaments is your favorite. I think they all bring unique uh, attributes to the table and and different audiences from around the state to take advantage of what we've got to offer here in the capital city, which I think is just, uh, you know, in the arena is amazing and outside the arena is is as amazing to match uh, their experience.
4: Obviously, without getting into the specific numbers or dollar figures or things like that, just when it comes to what you notice about the influx of people around this time each year, what impact do you see just being in and around St. Paul, being downtown, being around the X during these tournaments?
6: It's huge. You can't walk into a restaurant uh, without it being, you know, near capacity, and they really get into it too. You know, we put up the welcome hockey fans uh, decals in the windows, and. It, it's uh we want the fans that come down, uh, some of them you know might be their might be their annual one time trip to the XL Energy Center to really feel welcome and feel the love.
4: There's some built in things with St. Paul being the state capital, having the infrastructure, obviously a great venue in the XL Energy Center, but what about St Paul beyond those basics makes it a great host site for these high school teams, their families, and their fans?
6: It's a city built on uh, built on traditions. the tradition of the high school hockey tournament what I love is is being out and about and and running into a group of fans and you and you strike up a conversation and they've been coming for the last 10 years or 25 years or you get some of those old guys who've been coming for you know 50 years to the tournament it's that tradition piece it's that we're kind of a you know we're a big small town great amenities uh restaurants hotels attractions all kind of within a walkable area so we're not too we're, we're big enough, we're not too big for some of the folks coming, maybe from some, for some of the smaller towns around the state. But And we've got a hospitality that's second to none. I mean, the folks that uh, are in the hotels and in the restaurants, they look forward to this uh, time of year, every year, when these tournaments come into town and the restaurants are packed throughout the day and they're watching all the TVs are turned to the games. And if they've got tickets, you know, they're in the in arena. Even if they don't, they're out in the, in the bars and restaurants watching. So, so much energy uh, in the arena, but it really – pours out of the doors um, throughout the whole run of the tournament.
4: And do you hear that from those people who are coming in for these particular tournaments about what their experience is? What's their general reaction when you do hear from the guests that come to St. Paul out of Greater Minnesota?
6: Yeah, I think they they love it. They've uh you know, it's easy to get to, there's parking. They love being able to just walk you know, go to a game but then also dip out and there's what, eight, nine, probably up to fifteen restaurants within about a block and a half radius around the arena so they can Get out and enjoy that. but uh, you know, and they, and they comment on our on our hospitality. The folks that work in the XL Energy Center and the folks in the hotels and staff at the at the restaurants around town. I think they feel like they're the rock star in town. You know, you, these big music acts come in and play the XL, and the NHL teams come in, and those guys are on an elite level. And I think what we want to do is provide these high school kids and and their parents and their fans the feeling that. They're the biggest thing in town. Uh, they're the biggest thing in town. When they're in town, they're the rock star. We're here to cater to them, make sure their experience is everything that they uh, dreamed it would be, and uh, then they go back to wherever they wherever they live and they kind of reminisce on the memories of their uh, of their weekend run in St. Paul for whatever tournament they're participating in.
4: Any final tips for the folks that are planning to come in and are going to make their way to St. Paul over the next few weeks? Anything can't miss, recreation, food, lodging, anything like that?
6: There's some there's some classics, you know. If, if you want a little divine intervention on your side, the uh, Cathedral of St. Paul, pop in there and just see the incredible uh, destination that that Cathedral of St. Paul is. Maybe say a prayer for your team and it uh,
0: can't hurt. Johnson says visit visitstpaul.com has everything fans need to know as they plan their trip to follow their team this winter. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. A new book for Minnesota sports fans is out. The biography chronicles Dick Jonkowski, a man who emceed sports banquets all over the upper Midwest and was the public address announcer for Golden Gopher basketball games for three decades. MNN sports director Mike Grimm spoke with Jonkowski about his new book.
7: Well, first of all, Dick Johnkowski, uh, tell us what you're up to nowadays. I assume you're still uh, out on the MC circuit having some fun and, uh, and now uh, you know watching uh, athletic events and those kind of things.
8: Well, thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate uh, being on with you. Yeah, I, I'm still doing a lot of sports, actually, believe it or not. I uh, Of course, I've lived in Shakopee 52 years, and I do five sports in Shakopee: I do football, baseball, basketball, softball. And, uh, of course, both basketballs, like girls and boys, So it amounts to about five. And I still do a lot of banquets, still, uh, luckily, it's still requested anyway. A lot of, it's not only athletic banquets, but, you know, whenever you need an MC for something, I guess they think I can do it, whether it's a bowling banquet or whatever it might be. So, yeah, still, still very active. All
7: right, so what's a good one that's working right now on the banquet uh, that you can say on the radio? Give me, give me uh, one golden uh, Polish eagle, uh, uh, tale to tell.
8: Well, the one I've been telling, and uh, and women like it seem to like it just as much as the men, but it is about a woman that wakes up in the morning, goes to a full-length mirror, and she takes off her clothes, and she looks at herself, and she said, I can't believe this. I'm old, I'm fat, and I'm ugly. So she wakes up her husband, and she said, I just looked in the mirror, and I realized that I'm old, I'm fat, and I'm ugly. Will you give me a compliment? She said, I would really like a compliment. He said... Your eyesight's
7: perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I bet that one is killing it on the circuit, no doubt about it. They like
8: it. it. They like it. Yeah, it's going well.
7: Dick Johnkowski is with us, uh, the famed Polish eagle. Uh, for many, many years, uh, his voice was recognizable at Williams Arena. He was the voice of the barn. How many years, Dick? Over thirty, right?
8: Thirty-one in basketball, thirty in baseball.
7: Take us through the book. Who helped you out with the book, and how people can get the book?
8: Well, Jim Bruton, who is, as you, I'm sure you know, does a lot of sports books. He's done. Uh, Red Tucker, Lou Nanny, Jerry Kill, the 50 Greatest Vikings. He's done all kinds of stuff. Just terrific, the job that he does. And he helped me with it. And then, of course, uh, I had a lot of advice from other people. But you're right, because a lot of people don't know that I was a ring announcer for Vergania, the EWA, for six years. I was also involved in the American Basketball Association in the late 60s with the Muskies and the Pipers in public relations and announcing. And a number, you know, just a golden gloves. I've done just about everything you can think of. I have over 60 jokes and uh, 48 color photos. And people are, and I'm getting good response.
7: I do want you to mention the name of the book because I love the name of the book.
8: Yeah, everybody says, you don't think about yourself. Well, it wasn't my idea of the title, believe it or not. It was, my kids said, it's called, It's All About Me, Dick <laughs> Kowski of Minnesota Treasure. And the Minnesota Treasure... Came from the Vikings last year when they honored me. A year ago, they honored me for all the years at the U. And they introduced me as the Minnesota treasurer, and I thought that was very, very flattering. So I said I'm going to use that on the book title, and it, it's gone really well so far. Getting the book actually, I, my website's the best way, unless you see me directly, because I carry them every place I go. My wife said you even take them into the restroom. I think if I'm not mistaken, that's probably true. I do, but actually, uh, my website is the Polish Eagle dot com. That's the nickname I have, as you know, the Polish Eagle You do have to put the the in there, and then what? Uh, my son-in-law is taking care of all that. He sends it to me, and I sign or personalize the book and send it out.
7: Yeah, it's all about me, is the name of the book. ThePolishEagle.com is where you can go find the book. Um, I teased it a little bit. Uh, I'm assuming the story that you've told me a couple of times about Drew Pearson, that famed play back in the day, is a part of the book. In uh, either way, you have to tell that story for us quickly.
8: Well, it happened, of course, uh, during that big, uh, famous Hail Mary catch, uh, December 28th, uh, 1975. And it was a play before the catch, it was fourth and 17. And Roger Staubach threw the ball to Pearson on an out pattern or close to the sidelines. He caught the ball and came down out of bounds, but the referee re- ruled that he would have caught it. He would have been inbound, so they gave it a catch. And I was staying next to Jack Whitaker of CBS, and Jack said, that was a terrible call. And I, instinctively, Pearson was laying at my feet, and I just kicked the bottom of his shoe. And if you see it on YouTube, it's still on YouTube. It, it's a sissy kick it looks terrible <laughs> but i got in so much trouble for it because tom landry's wife saw it the next day she called pete rosell she said look at the videotape one of their guards as she called me kicked Drew pearson because you, sure you were not, at at time, right? yeah, huh?
7: you what? were sideline security at the time right
8: yeah you were sideline security at the time right yeah i was a sideline security guy <laughs> and so they he looked at it and he called the head of the head of the ushers, Bob Sims, they kicked me off the field. They took me off the field. I didn't have to quit ushering, but I couldn't be on the sidelines for two years. And so I ended up 17 years as a head field usher, and I caught 112 field goals in that seventeen years,
7: wow! You have that all uh, in the book, I suppose. Yeah, all well. in the
8: book. Yeah, you bet it is.
7: All the years that you did go for basketball, what were some of your favorite names of uh, Gophers that you got to announce over the years and uh, and uh, put over the public address?
8: Like the three three that uh, that I tell everybody about, and that I actually had published by final uh, my final game it was in the program. The best one I ever had was Jim Chicken mm-hmm. Maybe because I'm Polish, but I just love that Chicken i You do it, give it an extra. Boost. Then we had a kid from Mound named Ernest in the Ziggum which was fun to say. And the third kid is from Shakabee, and I announced his games in high school, Jamal Abushawa. So those names kind of roll off your tongue. You like, those would be the three that I would pick.
7: You like those names with multiple syllables, right?
8: Absolutely. Right. I
7: really do. Well, very good, Dick. We appreciate the time. Um, best of luck with the book. I know uh, it, it's, uh, it has not been out a long time, so uh, we'll look forward to, uh, in fact, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on a copy and uh, and putting eyes to the pages as well. So we look forward to it. ThePolishEagle.com is the webpage. Uh, thanks so much for joining us.
8: Thank you, Mike. Also, a lot of book sightings. Well, I tell people to watch for the book sightings. And they might, because I have several coming up in the area.
0: All right, very good. Thank you. That's Dick Jankowski with MN M&M Sports Director Mike Grimm. The book is called It's All About Me. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
3: Last night, we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd.
4: Wait, but there were only four people
2: out there. Yeah,
3: but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. <sighs> and we're Fireflies. Yeah, we- Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow-in-the-dark like this before, and we invented glow-in-the-dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're going to be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. woo So come check us out. Check us out! And bring your kid all-ages show. Oh, but, uh, don't bring any of those glass jars, because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah,
5: and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you. And discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.
0: back to Minnesota Matters. With all the recent snow and more in the forecast, fire officials are encouraging you to dig out the fire hydrants in your neighborhood. Tasha Radel has more.
5: Joining me now is State Fire Marshal Bruce West. Bruce, I'm sure you have a message this time of year for Minnesotans.
2: I sure do, and and thank you for the, the question and the concern. You know, fire departments right now, they're very concerned about the fact that Fire hydrants are buried under mountains of snow that we've had here this year. I mean, and up to January, you know, we were sitting pretty good. But now, with a record February, it's critical that a call to action for, you know, citizens across the state to dig out their fire hydrants because time is of the essence for firefighters and for them to have to take the time to dig out that fire hydrant when there's a a working structure fire that they are dealing with, um, that's critical time that they don't need to spend if the neighbors spend a little bit of time digging out that fire hydrant. Fire hydrants have a flag on them so you know where they are. Take your snow blower or shovel, clear a three-foot path each side of that fire hydrant so you get a nice six-foot area that the firefighters can work in and, you know, if it's open and accessible, it's just such a great advantage for the firefighters when they're dealing with a structure fire.
5: Because you know, if those fire hydrants aren't cleared, obviously a, a firefighter's looking for that flag to identify the hydrant, and and like you said, um, it it would take time away from them to to dig that out, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, right now there could be that that fire hydrant could be buried under six, seven feet of a of a snow pile, you know, and so if if the, and all that you can see is the top of that little, you know, a lot of them are a little fiberglass, let's call it a whip, you know, basically it's a fire, fiberglass um, flag, you know, and they see the top of it, so they know underneath that flag is a fire hydrant. they got to go grab a scoop shovel and start shoveling. And, and firefighters, you know, there's limited resources. They have limited firefighters that are on that scene. And to take one firefighter away from, you know, from that structure fire to dig out that hydrant that could be a critical person on that scene um to do the the jobs and the tasks of a fire firefighter so you know in an emergency seconds count for firefighters and we want the public to help them out by taking that you know snowblower clearing a path taking a shovel you know we know that's that's extra effort um from the citizens but that extra effort could mean life and death literally for you know somebody in that home and and to take that time you know we want people just take your time if you're shoveling it out i mean that snow is it's heavy you know it's compacted you know so it can be strenuous work take your time doing it if you've got that a snow blower you know please you know get those neighborhood fire hydrants exposed and out in the open
5: Bruce, I know the risk of a devastating house fire increases dramatically in the winter months. Let's talk some general fire safety.
2: Well, you know, the best, uh, we always love our fire prevention messages because the best fire is the one we prevent, you know. So stay in the kitchen uh, when you're cooking. Pay attention to what's going on in the kitchen. Properly dispose of those cigarette materials. And as always, check your smoke alarms. Make sure that you've got a working smoke alarm in your home.
5: According to preliminary data, there have been five reported fire deaths so far this year. This compares to eight deaths at this time last year. Thanks again to my guest, State Fire Marshal Bruce West. Back to you, Scott.
0: Thank you, Tasha. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.